Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Hello again and welcome to another edition of For Future Considerations is the name of the podcast. And the guys who are here, yours truly, Manny Pava, we've got John Rashad, we got Matt Dumichel, all here for the episode number 72. And the second one of the week we call the OT. Gentlemen, how you doing? Good boys, how are you? I'm good. I think I'm uh, finally finished digesting all the turkey, so that's good. That's it's been a week. I hope so, dude. Like, how many <laughs> how many leftovers did you have? <laughs> well, let's see. Um, we had sandwiches, and then I had a plate for lunch the one day, and then um, I picked off like all of the less desirable meat for the dog, and I got to admit, I dipped into that a little bit, so I had some of that. <laughs> the dog food. <laughs> Did it's, you, not, it's not dog food. It's food for the dog. But You stole you know. food from the dog? <laughs> not the next what kind of the person g- are you? Seriously. <laughs> like, over the years, you've stolen food from Matt. You've certainly stolen food from me. And now you're pizza stealing hut. food from... <laughs> yeah, you bankrupted Pizza Hut. You stole the food from Pizza Hut. Now you're stealing food from the dog. So you follow if you follow John Rashad, seventy five percent of the stuff he posts on there is his dog. Uh, anyways, just lying around, and he's not tired. He's just starving. He doesn't have the strength, the leg strength, to get up and walk into the other room. Rashad's celebrating the Hanukkah Thanksgiving like eight straight days, just turkey, turkey, turkey. It's like, why is your dog so thin? Oh, he's not thin. He's malnourished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so now we know why. You steal food from the dog. One, one dog in the house, and somehow that dog is the last one to the food dish. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that works. John, I know we used to call you a dog back in the day, but this is just <laughs> taking it to another level. <laughs> <laughs> Fifth. Before anyone reports me, that dog eats better than most humans, just so we're on, sure. we're on the record. Sure. Uh, a disclaimer. I'm glad you put in that disclaimer there. Does your dog have a human pillow? Because mine does. Wow. With a pillowcase That's on That's all right. So, you, wait a minute. Do you think is he... That, where is that pillow? <laughs> it's on the couch. It's on, on the couch. Okay. On, his, on his love seat, actually. Oh. So you 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 give him the other amenities of a nice house, but you can't feed him. Is this what you're telling us? This doesn't you make up I, for it, John. You know what I love, though, is my wife is like, that dog has you wrapped around his little finger. You spoil him rotten. And then I come home one day. Oh, he looked like he was tired and uncomfortable, so I gave him a pillow. And then I come home the next day. Oh, the pillow wasn't the nicest, so I got him a pillowcase. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. Wow, this guy. This is like an all-inclusive a for for this dog. <laughs> he gets to, shows up. He's got uh, you know all you can drink. Walks four times a day. Your own love seat. Your own pillow. Just hope you're not hungry. <laughs> Which one is really your life partner, Jill or the dog? Like, what's going on? <laughs> oh man let's guys isn't it the this the best time of year for sports fans we got hockey started we got basketball starting we got football season we got the baseball playoffs it's fantastic for sports fans isn't it yeah Yeah, this is the best right when you roll around like end of march uh and, and early april and this time of year when when everything else starts kicking off and I, uh, I, I normally go uh, baseball heavy, especially at the beginning of the, the hockey season because of the baseball playoffs. I'll, I'll normally watch the playoffs a little bit more than the beginning of the regular season. But uh, um, and, and there's been some great baseball that like we talked about earlier in the week. But uh, yeah, this this is this is a, a potpourri of, of sports activities. Something for everybody. What about you, John? You love this time of the year. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Thanksgiving Monday was so good with all that baseball and then preseason hockey and yeah, mm-hmm. just great. You know, I love it. It's not every time you get to ride on a junior hockey bus. I was with the Spitfires last week and we're watching a baseball playoff game driving to Sarnia. Like uh, you're not what like some of the movies are great on the bus, but you know, you can do without watching Slapshot for the 13th time, right? So yeah. Uh, ha- having a baseball playoff game to watch was pretty outstanding on the ride. Hey, ever seen Talladega Nights? I, I think I've, uh, <laughs> I think I've been on a team bus and seen that movie about forty-three times. Which, which one do we got? Oh, I know, Talladega Nights. Yeah, it's as if they don't take the DVDs out of the the compartment up above yeah. the seats. It's the same movies year after year after year. Like hockey players are like your three-year-old kid who wants to watch Frozen for the four hundredth time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, Joe. <laughs> or your dog in a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> is it one of those pillows that has a remote control on it too to like increase or like, the thickness? Or he's got one of those those beds that you see in the commercials that twist into all kinds of positions. The massage pillow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, this is our second show of the week, right, boys? Yes, yes. Go back and listen. Uh, Wednesday morning is uh, episode one of the week, episode 71 in the fine history of For Future Considerations. And that's normally the debate show, so that's when Manny gets proven wrong time and time again. And now we will release this one out where we always have uh, somebody come on here that uh, knows a lot more about their profession than, than we do, and we get to learn from him. Yeah, you wish I was wrong. <laughs> I still can't. I'm still not over what you said. I'm still not over what you said on Wednesday. I think that was ludicrous. I can't even talk about. I can't even bring it up. Don't do it. Who's who's the guest? I can't even bring it up. Come on. <laughs> well, speaking of baseball, that'll be the main topic of this episode. We have a really great guest. Our guest is one of the few people in the world who has covered both the Montreal Expos and the Toronto Blue Jays. He has written four books, including Hardball, about George Bell, and if these walls could talk about the Blue Jays. He has won several awards from Sports Media Canada, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, the Ontario Baseball Association, and the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. He is also a member of the Ottawa Nepean Canadians Hall of Fame. The Alcotox Dogs Hall of Fame, easy for me to say, the Kingston and District Hall of Fame, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame, the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame, and the Baseball Ontario Hall of Fame. If that wasn't enough, he is also the mind behind the Canadian Baseball Network website, which tracks all active Canadian baseball players. Please welcome to For Future Considerations... Bob Elliott. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks very much, Manny. You know, that, that intro, it went just the way I wrote it. That was, that was the, <laughs> but that Ontario Sports Hall of Fame award, that was, uh, that was the Brian Williams award. It was named after, yeah. it was named after Brian, but uh, I didn't win it for speaking. So <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. And you know what? I practiced that Alberta Sports Hall of Fame a community like for two hours before this, and I still can't get it right, Bob. Is, what it, is, is it Ogotok? Ogotoks. Ogotoks, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> I, practiced, I, I practiced that forever. Couldn't get it right. <laughs> but uh, congratulations on your tremendous sports writing career, Bob. This is an honor since uh, we've always followed your work particularly with the Toronto Sun. I know dating back to the Ottawa Citizen, and we promise we won't ban you from future uh, podcasts like some other radio stations in Toronto. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, 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 what's the what's the story behind that? Ah, uh, well, I know two thirds of it. I guess uh, uh, <laughs> Keith Pelly didn't like something I wrote about when the Beeston was hanging. If they wanted, to, I wrote something like, if they wanted to fire the guy, fire the guy, like in September, October. But this was. The last day of January, when they, uh, you know, and they were phoning, they were phoning up the White Sox, they were phoning up the Orioles, and uh, and the people at Sportsnet kept saying, the Blue Jays are offering Rich Hoffman, the Blue Jays are offering this guy or that guy, 
Well, who are the Blue Jays? The Blue Jays were Anthopolis at the time. He's not gonna he's not gonna trade for a new president. And the other guy, the president, the current president, is Beeson. So the story should have said Rogers is is trying this, or probably probably Baltimore was suggesting it, you know, and the White Sox were suggesting these names. And then the other one, I think I was critical of. Uh, I thought. Anthopolis got them into the postseason for the first time in 22 years. I thought they should maybe made a better effort to keep him around. They made an effort, but it was like in the last 48 hours. And he said, see ya. And I remember that. That was on uh, Bob McCowan's show. You went on a, a little bit of a tangent there for, it was really good radio for about five or so minutes. Really? <laughs> I can't believe if he let me talk for that long. <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, it's amazing. We'll never ban you, of course, and uh, and we're just thrilled that you're you're on the podcast here. How many how many times is it just Toronto Sports Radio that has a love hate relationship with you, or is there other radio stations? Uh, no, I just think it's uh, it's the fan, and and it, to be clear, it's not Bob. Like Bob, Fulman. of course, the night uh, the night of the first one, and he said, uh, "You're an idiot." He was an idiot. Don't worry, I'll settle it. And uh, I don't know. I think in about four months I was back. But then uh, I've done this podcast a couple of times with uh, the other guy. The guy used to be the producer. The John Shannon? Yeah. 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 But, uh, I, I was driving the other day there, and I heard somebody talk about Canada Talks on 167 Canada uh, XM radio. Yes, serious. How yep. about this for a one, two points? Mansbridge, Peter Mansbridge, and then McCown. It was it was good radio. Wow. I don't know if it's just uh, canned and then aired. I don't know, but uh, it, it was the first time I'd heard it. <laughs> <laughs> the two legends in the broadcasting industry, right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have lots to talk to you about about you. Um, can you tell us about your decision to start the Canadian Baseball Network and how long you've been involved with the website? Um, well, it started, uh, I think the year was 95. I'd been doing it for five or six years. I'd run a top 10 list for the draft. So this year in 95 or 96, whatever it was, I gave, uh, I submitted it, the story. And, uh, the number one guy was from Quebec city. The number two guys from BC, the number three guy was from BC. The number four guy was from Alberta. And I forget where number five was. But there was no one between Oshawa and Oakville, which is was our core area of selling papers. So I tried it about a week later when another guy, a different guy was on the desk, and I didn't get past him. But he said, why don't you take it over to Mike? He's working at Canoe. I said, what's Canoe? He said, well, it's the new, uh, this new uh, internet site we've got. I said, what's the internet? That's how, new, that's how old the lawn of was. So I took it over to Mike and... Uh, he, it was like, yeah, sure, we'll run it. And then it was like, why don't you find out how many Canadians are in college? And that, that list, I think the first, I think I asked Bill Bykowski with the Blue Jays, how many people do you think are playing? And he said, oh, it's about 100. But you, no way you'd ever figure it out. So I took that as a challenge. <laughs> and I think I, the first year I got to 490 or something. And now, now it's over 820 or something. That's amazing, you know. That's amazing. Do you have any time to watch Major League Baseball, or are you? And she's <laughs> down in the background. I watch the replays. Yeah. <laughs> like, how closely did you watch this past season? If you're following 800 guys in every different level of baseball, um, I didn't see every game. Uh, I think I only got to four games. I didn't see any game. I wasn't in person at any games last year, of course, but. Uh, um, it's it's uh, you can that MLB network they do a fabulous job uh, with the the rundown and it doesn't matter you know there's 15 games last night they show you highlights of 15 games they have they have topics and everything and I know you know a lot of the people have played here like DeRosa who's excellent Plesac who's excellent and Leiter who's excellent uh, and you know like. I get a kick out of they'll say something and I'll send them an email and you know, you should have uh, said this or maybe this and DeRosa, he, uh, his first year after he got out of baseball, he played one year and uh, 
So I said, do you want some help? He said, yeah, I'll take any help I can get. He says, but let me ask you something. You don't do TV. I said, no, I get nervous. I sit hunched over, I mumble, and I'm not photogenic. So he says, well, what have you, what have you got to offer? So I said, well, I'll watch it a couple of times and I'll email you. And he said, okay. So he was, you're supposed to sit on your coattails of your blazer, your sports jacket, so it doesn't get all bunked. So I caught him doing that once. And one time he says, when you drive to the ballpark, you got to know this. And then about three minutes later in the same segment, he said, uh, when you know, when you drive to the ballpark, you got to know this. So I emailed him and I said, look, <laughs> unless you forgot something, you're only driving to the ballpark once. <laughs> so he said, I said, don't be saying it twice. You can say it tomorrow, but you can't say it twice. <laughs> so they, they interviewed him. Uh, I don't know. I forget where it was, but. They asked him if he was getting any advice. He says, you wouldn't believe the advice I get from people <laughs> who know nothing about, who will never go on TV, but they think they know everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. He, he, he's like the star of the morning show. I didn't, I didn't know he was going to be that. He's, he's blown past a few of them. You know? Yeah, he's come a long way in the broadcast. Yeah, yeah he certainly has. Yeah, I love MLB Network. That's a that's probably the best league operated channel out of them all by a mile. It's so good. Um, what do you think of the game itself these days? Uh, well, it's not the game I grew up watching. It's uh, it's like the three true outcomes. Everybody's trying to hit a hit a home run, or they strike out, or they walk. Uh, I mean, uh, when the Blue Jays in 2015 and 2016. Batista fine, Encarnacion fine, but uh, you had guys like Kevin Pillar swinging from their butt, you know, like uh, Ryan Goins, uh, you know, there's lots. Donaldson was okay, you know, swing, try for the home run, but it was just, there was zero two-strike approach. The only guy I'd say has a two-strike approach that I've noticed this year is Bichette. He gets rid of the leg kick just to keep the ball in play, and he fouls off a lot of, I mean, you can't. I don't see how, like people, people say the analytics will say a strikeout's the same as an out. It, it doesn't matter if you strike out or whatever. Well, if there's a man on second and nobody out, you, you, you could have a strikeout or a ground ball to second base and to get the guy over to third. I know which one is better. <laughs> Nick, we all do. Yeah. Next fly ball and it's one nothing or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. Bob, we've talked about possible changes to the game on this podcast. You know, like how do you shorten baseball games? Like some of them are going three and a half, four hours long. If if you were commissioner, how would you change the game? Um, I, they tell me that pitch clock is working down uh, in the minors. It's working very, very well. Jason Stark, I saw him do a piece on it. But tell you the truth, uh, the only games that really bothered me, I mean, you're, you went to the game to see, a, you went to the ballpark to see a game. The only ones that really bothered me were those Yankees Red Sox games in the postseason when every third pitch should be a trip to the mound. And, you know, like, <laughs> I, remember, I remember Gagne's line. He said, when he was with the Dodgers, he says, You'll never see me doing this. And I said, Why not? It was just starting then. I think it started after Will Clark's home run. He read, uh, he read the lips of the pitcher, Lee Smith, I think it was. Okay, inside fastball, and he pulled it, you know. But but I asked Gagne, well, why won't you have to cover your mouth? He says, well, hopefully I'm speaking to Russell Martin, and we'll be speaking French. <laughs> <laughs> like, these ideas that they're coming up with, Bob, like moving the mound back. Uh, like, I don't like that. I don't yeah. like, I like, I like I think he's going to ban the ship. Like two guys on between second and third, two guys between second and first. I think, I think that that would help. Uh, so the, get rid of the shift. Yeah, I, I mean, how many great plays do you see? Defensive plays. Like, I mean, you 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 guys are probably old enough to remember Brooks Robinson or yeah, Greg yeah. Nettles or, or Scott Rowland, for example. Yeah. I mean, every ground ball is right at a guy. Like like. I remember Hurdle about three years ago. He said, I'm sorry, you hit a ball right up the middle, over the mound, through the pitcher's legs. That ball's in the center field, and it's a two-run single. Nowadays, there's an infielder standing right there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, even Epstein, when he stepped down from the Cubs, he said, in our effort to win, we made the game, uh, we made the game more boring. And uh, like uh, the guy I like is Billy Ripken on there. He just knocks the crap out of everything, anything new, you know. I know, I guess, I, w I don't think I'd be as old school as he is, but he makes some very good points about like how, uh, how, uh, the defensive war and he explains it and debates it. You know, he, he's, he's pretty sharp cookie. I hate the shift. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. So if you were not in management, can, not everybody can be like Ted Williams. They said, what are you going to do about that? was my father's favorite player. He says, so he hit a ball 15 rows up and he says, shift that. <laughs> Um, how do you think the Jays are doing and what do you think their shopping list uh, should consist of these days? Well, I don't think, I don't think they'll get either one of the guys, uh, Ray or Simeon. And, uh, I think there's a big shortstop market and I think Simeon wants to play shortstop. In fact, I think he's, I read that, that he said it, but I think that they're, they have enough resources. I mean, that, that should not be all despair. Like who was really, doing cartwheels when Robbie Ray arrived two years ago. And I don't think you two guys were, were you? No. So, so what they got to do is find somebody. Obviously, they saw something in Robbie Ray, and they fixed him. So Pete Walker's a great pitching coach. So, I mean, there's got to be somebody out there that they've identified. Well, this guy, he tips his pitches or he keeps his – he doesn't keep his front shoulder closed enough or he doesn't get to his balance point, whatever. I'm not even – I don't even remember what it was with Robbie Ray, how they corrected him, but he – he, he, he eliminated the wildness. He did give a bunch of gopher balls up, but uh, I think I think Robin Roberts, you can look him up, but I think he gave up, uh, I remember Bill Burden would always talk about him. He gave up like 36, 35 home runs and 90% uh, of them were solo shots. Right. Do you think um, do you think the Jays will uh, open the wallet and actually do some spending? Or not to keep, uh, do, not yeah. to keep hammering Rogers, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't mind hammering Rogers. <laughs> I think that I think they will spend. Yeah. So they'll spend on uh, an infielder, maybe a third baseman and a pitcher. Or what do you think, Bob? Um, I think I think a starter. I think uh, the the hitter that they get wherever he plays, he's got to be left-handed. They're very they were very heavy right-handed. I mean, they started the year they had Biggio, Talez. And the catcher, I guess. So they ended with Bezio still on TV. Excuse me, Telez is still on TV, and Bezio, Bezio. In, in fairness to him, he was injured, but you know they didn't. They didn't get a lot of production from. Uh, I'm surprised they won that many games when they they were so tilted so far to the one side. John asked us this question uh, a while back on the podcast, and you may be the best person to answer this question. It was about George. Uh, it was about George Bell. He won the 80 set of an MVP award. You've written a book about him. But Vladdy just finished his season with 48 home runs, 111 RBIs. He was chasing the triple crown. Did Vladdy this season have the best offensive season ever by a Blue Jay? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> Way to go, John. Good question, buddy. <laughs> I haven't thought of that. Um... What did George hit in 87? 47? Was it 47? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm kind of like an OPS guy now. Uh, I remember, well, a long time ago, when I was learning baseball, I'd say, well, what's an RBI? And my father would explain it, and what, you know, an average and all this. And I'd say, well, what's the most important stat? Give me that. And my father said that uh, Ted Williams always said, when you add up a slugging percentage and on-base percentage, or on base average, whatever, that that's uh that's the most important stat. Now it wasn't called OPS then, but that's that's what it's called now. Um I would say I would say um Bell Bell really uh slipped coming down the stretch, two for twenty-six with an infield single, but he had uh with it with Ernie Witter injured, with uh, Tony Fernandez injured, he had uh he had I think alternating Rick Leach and Juan Benica sitting in front of and behind him and Sparky Anderson said, uh, he's not beating us, you know? So he didn't get a lot of pitches. 
Bob, you're the busiest man in show business these days. <laughs> so, so Vladdy, Vladdy may have put up the best off season, uh, offensive season ever. Well, well, who has the highest? I can look that up very quick. <laughs> uh, if you went in front of a, uh, you guys watch Law and Order? Yes. If you went in front of those, the guy, uh, he'd say, "Okay, uh, who? Never mind the RBIs. Never mind the OPS. Who? Who has an MVP award in their back pocket?" And right now, it's uh, there's only the one. Right. And I don't think Vladdy's going to win it. I don't think he should win it. I mean, Otani is doing something that, like yeah. at this, like halfway through the first half of the season, it was, uh, um, oh, he's just like Babe Ruth. He's equaling what Babe Ruth done. Well, he's blowing Babe Ruth right out. Nobody has ever done this. We're seeing a unicorn. That's what we're watching. Yeah. yeah. Vla- Vladdy's OPS was. Uh, I've got it here. 1.002. Oh, George. George was 957. Yeah. So going by that stat, though, that's pretty impressive, though. Yeah. You can't. That's pretty impressive. That's a good question, John. Now, where (laughs) was Donaldson? Oh, now you're making me do real work here. Well, yeah, we gotta, we gotta include the. <laughs> okay, well, while Manny works that up or looks that up, I'll ask you another question. Um, what do you think of um, the Rays uh, splitting their season between Tampa Bay and Montreal? Do you think that's going to work at all, or do you think they're just playing one city against another for a stadium? Uh, they're trying to leverage uh, the plan into a into a into getting a new ballpark from from Tampa. I think they'd uh, St. Pete. It's it's an older demographic, and they don't get the all the all the young people are on the Tampa Clearwater side, and they don't they don't get too many people. Uh, their fan base is not from St. Pete's, and it's an awful ballpark, as you guys know. Yeah. But but I don't think I don't think the union would ever go like like the Blue Jays played in Dunedin, Buffalo, and Toronto, and if it was season went another month, they might have been in Moosonee. <laughs> but the thing is, I can't see them allowing them to go start a season going into it saying, okay, Kevin Kiermaier, you got to, for the first three months, you got to buy a condo in Clearwater, or maybe he's got a house down there, but you got to buy it. You got to rent another one in Montreal. And I can't see the players going for that. It's, it's not like, uh, uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. They used to years ago. They used to play some games in St. Paul, some games in Minneapolis. Well, that's like uh, Toronto and Etobicoke, you know. Right. Yeah, there you are. You're right. They're absolutely leveraging that for the ballpark. I can't see that happening. But what what was it about having baseball in Montreal, and why do we miss it so much? Oh, the atmosphere. The atmosphere was. Uh, I mean, you could get seventeen thousand people in there, and it was. Uh, Outside of a postseason game in Toronto, it would uh, it would beat anything Toronto has to offer. Now, I will say they tend to drink a little bit more in the <laughs> in the stands in Montreal. And those yellows, if you were sitting in the middle, and they they bang the, they bang the seats, you know, and they made an awful racket. So I mean, I don't think I don't think the Skydome or Rogers Center uh, it I, it doesn't really have that. Uh, Extra acoustic effect, or the <laughs> they need Josh, someone banging a, a garbage can. Yeah, Josh Donaldson's OPS, by the way, in 2016, 1128. Oh. He beats Bell and Vladdy by a landslide. Well, there you go. There's your winner. <laughs> <Not Bob. here. laughs> Look at Bob coming out of left field with a completely yeah. different answer. That's great, Bob. We could talk to you forever, but. Like who's who are some of the most memorable interviews that you had? Would like David Wells fall in that category? Uh, David was interesting. Yeah, I remember I was in Cuba, and uh, I I got on the the Marriott shuttle, and the driver said to me, he said, "Did you hear Cruz died?" And I'm thinking, "Oh, Tom Cruise. Oh, that's terrible." And I went over to the front desk to check in, and then I come back, and the guy is guarding my bag, and he said, "Oh, Steve Olin died too. Remember that boating accident? It wasn't. It was yeah. Tim Cruise." Yes. So, anyways, uh, I phoned over to Dunedin, and Ken Fidlin was there, and he said, uh, "Oh, he said, uh, 
he's had my back. I've been out of order, but he says, uh, Cedo rep Derek Bell today, worst I've ever heard him. I said, well, what did he do? He says, well, he got doubled off second base. I said, well, that happens all the time. That doesn't make any sense. And Ken says, on a pop-up? I guess he was going back into second, like <laughs> dialing and checking his uniform everything, and Razor shines through the ball over, and they double him off. And then the next day, David Wells went up to the minor league complex, and uh, I guess he brought beer with him and uh, talking in front of the kids and all that, and so they released him. So I forget where we were. We were playing – Toronto was playing some – it was like when they used to go, it might have been in Houston. Like it was a exhibition game, you know, like if, like the way they go to Montreal nowadays. So I hear that Wells is signed with Detroit. I said, hey, Boom, what are you doing? He says, uh, I'm eating Little Caesars pizza and watching the basketball. I said, well, didn't you just sign with Detroit? He said, yeah. I said, well, the guy from Domino's owns it. He said, oh, change that. <laughs> I'm not eating Little Caesars. I'm eating Domino's pizza. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Bob Elliott is our guest here on For Future Considerations. Great conversation so far. What's your guys, most... Where'd you guys get the title? Uh, it was uh, the brainchild of uh, our partner, Matt. Uh, we wanted to come up with a... Well done, Matt. Oh, you didn't show. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, you didn't show. <laughs> Pulled the shoe. But we wanted to come up with a sports analogy that works across all sports. So Yeah, that works. It does. Um, you've covered several World Series. Which one stands out for you? Uh, I would say uh, 1990 in uh, Minnesota when uh, Morris, Morris pitched the, what was it, 10 innings? Yeah, 10 yeah. innings shut out and uh, – Kelly tried to take the ball from him, and he said, I'm not giving you the ball. And uh, he was going to go out for the 11th, too. And uh, it was it was just such a – it was such a great game. The night, the night before, uh, the Braves were up, and uh, I think 3-2. to two, And I just happened to be in the hallway, and Puckett arrived, and he opened the door, and he says, climb on, boys. I'm uh, – Climb on my back. I'm 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 bringing us home tonight. So anyway, sure enough, he hits the game, the walk off home run, and in about the eighth inning or something, he catches right where they had the retired numbers in left center. He caught a ball like Devon White on a game saving catch. This is game six. He he caught a game saving uh, catch right there, and it was like, you know, someday his number is going to be there, right there with the guys who'd already been retired. And it is. Um, but the next night, well, so after that game, after game six, they they always make the starting pitcher available. But they don't make them available if they aren't sure there's going to be a game seven. So into the, into the press room comes Morris. And so somebody says, what do you think, Jack? And he says, well, he says, I played in Detroit a lot of years. It's like Marvin Gaye used to say, let's get it on. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> and uh, then he went out and pitched 10. Uh, ten uh, now, I've heard the um, – I think it was Knobloch. I think Knobloch gets yeah. credited for faking down Lonnie Smith, but Lonnie Smith was a terrible base runner. All Lonnie Smith had to do was look at Jimmy Williams coaching third for the Braves, and he would have seen that the ball – he lost the ball in the plexiglass. But you're taught – to look to look at the coach, the coach is your, your eyes, and and he made it to third base. So then they had third base, they had the bases loaded. Excuse me, none out, and uh, I forget which way it went. I think it went strike. We either went pop up one two three double play or vice versa, and uh, and I think that was the same series that Herbeck lifted Ronnie Gant off uh, first base, like uh, like he was Hulk Hogan or somebody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And they that, caught him out. That was a great World Series. Wow, I'm glad you bring that up because that brings back so many memories watching that. It's, we will never see somebody pitch 10 innings, will we, Bob? Uh, they can't even go three or four nowadays. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> Who you got in this one? Who you got this year? Who's your favorite to win the World Series this year? Well, my favorite, uh, when I was growing up, my favorite team was the Milwaukee Braves, but they kind of moved, so... 
I, uh, I always had a soft spot for, uh, it was a first class organization all those years. We covered them in the postseason, whether it was Bobby, Cla Bobby Cox or uh, Glavin or Chipper Jones. Not going with my heart. I, I thought going in that the best team was the Dodgers. Let's talk about your network. How do you get content for the Canadian Baseball Network? And well, we have a we have a lot of good people and uh, a lot of self starters. Uh, we have Matt Betts from uh, Brantford and uh, Kevin Glue from uh, Dorchester and uh, um, Alexis Brednicki wrote for us for I think nine years before she got the job at MLB.com. Now she's gone off to university, but she covered the Blue Jays for. Two and a half years, I think. And we were very, very proud. I mean, that's how it started out. We didn't have any money to pay. Now we've got a little bit of money, but uh, we we paid uh, we paid her, I would I don't know, maybe we paid her three years out of nine, maybe. I don't know, or maybe four. I'm not sure. But it, it, it started out as a place where you could, kids could get some exposure. And uh, I'd edit them. Uh, edit their stories and send it back to them and say, you know, maybe next time you might want to try it this way. And, uh, and uh, sometimes they'd get fired back arguments, you know, people, younger people are very much more argumentative than I was when I started. Out. <laughs> the guy, the, I, the reason I got the job at 16, summer before in Kingston, I was, there was myself as an intern and there was a guy from Carlton. So anyways, the spot opens and uh, for a full-time job, four-man staff. And he says, uh, do you want the job? And I said, yeah, sure. I said, I'll take it as soon as school's out. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'll give you two weeks. But... <laughs> and this is February. So for the last end of school, grade 12, I did school and work. It was a night. It was a, it was an afternoon paper. So you'd go into work at seven o'clock and get home at two or something. But anyways, I said to the one guy one night we were eating, we were out for dinner and I said, why did he, why on earth did he pick a punk like me over the guy from Carlton? And he said, well, we, you remember last year when we said, okay, we're not going to say last night. We're going to say Wednesday night from now on. I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, well, the other guy, the guy, the other guy, the guy from Carlton wanted to know why, and he wanted to have a debate. And then, uh, and then the other thing we we had to have the score in the first three paragraphs. I said okay, and because we'd write about all these local leagues and baseball and softball and amateur sports. And the other guy argued with him. He says, and I I remember hearing that he said to him, he said, "This is not a democracy." I am the dictator of this sports department. <laughs> and like Wednesday night or last night, who cares? You know, he said, you, you didn't have to be told twice. You just did it. I said, Oh, so that was, uh, that was, uh, I don't know. I, and I knew, I knew a little bit more sports than I knew they had the day. The first time I started writing, I walked in and the headline was up and it said Cincinnati moves to within half game of AL lead. And then, uh, so then Yankees win on pass ball, P-A-S-T. Or as it's spelled, oh, oh, yeah. right. so I was a wiseacre and I was 17 <laughs> and I knew everything. So I, I was very critical of Derek and Jerry. And I said, you know, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And so the guy, the guy took the scorebook because I was a scorekeeper for the local baseball league and he, he flipped it at me and said, he said, well, you're so smart. You write it. And I thought, Ooh. <laughs> so anyways, uh, the next day I was in the paper and uh, they changed two things. I forgot to mention the park that it was played at. And uh, I think, uh, I think I had, uh, I think I forgot uh they, they used to like to, it was local, so they used to say, and the next game is uh, going to be Friday night at, between A and B. Sure. And I forgot to do that. And the guy told me to do it, so that was my fault. But they were, they were the only two things that they changed. How long ago was that, Bob? Well, I would have been. Uh, He's got a picture. I had my first byline in 66. 
66 and it's framed behind you there yeah they gave it as a gift uh it's not hanging as you notice it was a mini <laughs> basketball game uh that, that 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 conversation about past and cincinnati that probably was 64 wow but you could follow the direction and you yeah. got the job yeah yeah and uh uh, not only were you a good writer, but you were a pretty smart man back in the day. <laughs> uh, I was way over my skis. You know, these guys were, I mean, they're 50 year olds, 40 year olds, you know, like, and I'm some teenager, you know. And, but look at you now as a legendary Hall of Fame sports writer. Like, come on. And now you're, now you're giving that expertise to other writers. Yeah, you the- know, uh, I got honored at St. Mary's and some guy, I think he was from London. He asked me, he said, what are you going to be proudest of when everything's said and done? And I said, you know what? I said, I've never been asked that, but I think it would probably be the fact that like um, when I started writing about Canadian baseball, there wasn't a lot of guys writing about Canadian baseball that day in St. Mary's, we had seven writers there. Kevin was there. Alexis was there. Danny was there. Um, uh, JP was there. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was great. That's something, you know, like, uh, I'm on the other side of the hill, as I say, but these guys are going to hopefully continue, you know, to, to go on and, and, uh, and continue to, to write, you know. So you created an industry, really? Well, it's not a good time for the newspaper industry, as we all know, but, uh, I think there's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be a TSN website or a Sportsnet website, or there's always going to be room for the spoken word. Like you look at all the, the Blue Jay blogs there are now. Like uh, I don't know, how, I don't know how there's time to read them all. I mean, I I, I skim the first three graphs, or then I go right to this. Uh, Henderson is very good, and the guy um, Tom Dakers is very good. I like him too, and. Uh, the Sports Illustrated just started covering. There's a young guy named uh, uh, Bannon. He's, I think, he's very good too. He's, he's, I guess he's local, but no, he went to, he went to McGill and then he went to Syracuse. Yeah, which is a big time journalism school. But just like you helping the writers on your website, the Canadian Baseball Network, you're you're helping profile all these young baseball players. Yeah, uh, uh, on the website as well. There's. There's there's sort of a bit of a cohesion there, isn't there? Like, um, like we were doing our homework. There's almost 20 Canadian baseball players in the majors this year, mm-hmm. and um, and that number seems to be growing. Like, w- what do you credit for that, Bob? And and where? How do you see that number continuing to grow? Well, I think I credit. Uh, I think the year was '98 or '99, but uh, Greg Hamilton he took over. Uh, he took over. Uh, running the junior national team in Ottawa and more, it was Morno's first year or last year playing with the junior team. Uh, so it was 99 and he, he took the team to Florida. And so what they do for eight days, they play uh, the Washington or the Expos or, or whoever the, the rookie league guys, the first and second year pros who were, who were down there and uh, they would just get beat beat up terribly like 18 to one in the fall, but then they'd go back in the spring when they're playing the guys that just were drafted like high school guys and that, and you know, they'd lose four to two and they'd, they might win one on once in a while and, and they'd go to the Dominicans. So now he's up to three trips. So I remember a guy telling me about Lori, why it was a Seattle scout, why he was so confident in, in drafting Lori. He said, he's had 300 at bats. And we've seen 260 of them against 90 mile an hour pitching. So he says, I go into Pennsylvania to see the best, the best pitcher in Pittsburgh face the best hitter. You know what happens? I said, no, what happens? I said, who, who wins the pitcher or the hitter? He says, the coach of the pitcher tells him, don't throw him a strike. So I waste my time. He says, he says, you, these first year pros, they don't know who Brett Laurie is. They're just some knucklehead Canadian, you know, down here getting out of the, getting out of the snowbanks. And he says, they'll just boom, throw a fastball, fastball, fastball. And, and the one day, uh, the great story, they're playing a doubleheader in the Dominican. And he had two homers to left, two homers to right. 
So Bill Bykowski turns to the guy. He's coming up for his final time, and he says, there's an older guy there, about 80. He says, uh, he says well, old timer, what do you got for this guy? He says, ah. He says he hasn't hit one out to center. <laughs> so first pitch, boom, out to center. So they, they, you know, they're all laughing. They turn around and they say, what do you think? He says, well, I got him between Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth, but I might be a little bit light. <laughs> so, I mean, Laurie didn't work out, but Laurie was a man in a hurry and uh, he was his own worst enemy. It was, it's a shame, but uh, he was a talent. Milwaukee saw him as a first rounder and, uh, you know, he played here. I, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if he hadn't got hurt. Like he played like Walker played like, you know, it's 10 to one and he's in at Yankee stadium. He's diving into that photographer as well, which the new stadium, it's like about an eight foot drop as opposed to like a four foot drop. Right. Wow. And, and the talent level of the Canadian baseball is just getting better and better. Yeah. They, they, I figured it, there was only 20 rounds last year, but uh, they had uh, 18 guys picked or something and signed. It was, it was one of the best drafts ever. Um, it was, uh, I think, uh, Rod Black's son got $2.2 million and he did not even get a sniff uh, out of high school. Like, nobody drafted him or anything. The boy from Heidelberg, uh, Calvin Ziegler, got nine fifty. Uh, like, we, I keep track of the guys that, you know, I don't – the guy signs for 5000 a pair of cleats, I don't keep track of it. But if you get to six figures, I keep track of them. And uh, – I think I think San Diego and Seattle are the biggest spenders. I think Toronto's about seventh wow. uh, on uh, six figures on kids, but because uh, a lot of sometimes you know you know if a guy's a flunks out of school or he's a university senior, he doesn't have any option. He just wants a chance. You know, he he said, "Hey, I'll take fifteen hundred dollars on the plane ticket," but I I, I kind of find it not too cool to write the guy gets that. I'd rather write about the guy getting $2 million. And who didn't get a sniff before, right, Bob? Yeah. Uh, it's the CanadianBaseballNetwork.com. That's where you'll find some of Bob Elliott's writing and some great profiles on the future baseball players, homegrown in Canada. Bob, we could talk forever, but we really appreciate you making time and talking to us here on For Future Considerations. Thank you very much. No, thank you, guys. I appreciate the, I appreciate the call and the interest. Our thanks again to Hall of Fame sports writer Bob Elliott for joining us on the podcast. A great conversation. I know, Matt, you couldn't take part in the podcast, but as you heard, he loves the name For Future Considerations, and we gave you props uh-huh. for it, so... He, he he knows you pulled the shoe, but he really loves the day. <laughs> I've known you guys for 20-something years. That's the first time you've said something nice about me to somebody else, so I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, we have to get you back. We have to get him back on so we can have a conversation with Matt because we could talk for ages with him. Oh, that was sure. vintage Bob Elliott right there. He's so good. He's so entertaining. <laughs> We had to look up the numbers again, and I actually was wrong. I had the wrong OPS for Josh Donaldson, and Vladdy had the highest OPS between him, Bell, and Donaldson as we debated the best offensive season ever by a Toronto Blue Jay. And but Bob had some great stories too. So about David Wells, about covering the World Series and Jack Morris, and and just some fantastic stuff. Yeah, he's he's awesome. All kinds of content that you could come from Bob. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have crossed paths with him a, a couple of times and uh, not had direct conversations, but uh, he he's always spinning tails in, in every media room I've ever been in. So he's the guy that you latch on to for sure. And uh, I love the fact that he joins me in saying that he hates the shift. Let's get rid of the shift. Uh huh. Let's get yep. rid of the shift in baseball. And then he said, I had a good question, except I didn't ask it. Manny asked it for me because I uh, <laughs> I missed it in my notes. So Manny caught it and asked him the question and gave me credit for the question. So that was nice. I'm just handing out credit for everybody. My goodness, yeah. you guys just, I'm telling you, we're handing out like, hey, I'm turkey at the Rashad house. <laughs> but not to the dog. I'm pump- no, no, pump- no. I'm pumping tires for Matt, pumping tires for John, pumping tires for Bob. 
<laughs> if you want me to pump your tires, email us for future considerations at gmail.com. Also, the head of the social media department as well here, the, the, the nine-person staff that you're running for our social media department, that's why we've got all the breaking news before you know it. It's great. Follow us on social media, Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram, and for future considerations on Facebook as well. Come on, Greg. Get to work. Post that now. <laughs> what are you waiting for? It is mad about He's already got this year's Stanley Cup champion lifting the trophy. That's the footage that we have. That's how advanced that department is. I know you're hungry, but John will feed you eventually. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And uh, make sure you keep those emails coming for future considerations at gmail.com. I said that. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. Did you already say that? (laughs) What the hell is going on here? We want to thank our sponsors on the episode, London Awnings, quality that shows. Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics, specializing in sport training, nutrition. He doesn't eat either. He doesn't drink anything and he doesn't eat anything. So right, right in line with right in line with Bruno. I, I did text Shane. He said his Thanksgiving dinner consisted of beans and lemon water. So he, yeah. he had a fantastic weekend. Eating the dirt out of the garden from the next door neighbor. But at least nobody took his food from his bowl. So <laughs> he's okay. Enjoy the weekend, guys. And thank you to every one of you, over 3,000 listeners now. Thank you very much for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.